Welcome to the General Knowledge Podcast. It is a big idea, a new world order. By the military industrial complex. General Knowledge Podcast, Season 3, Episode 23, second last one of the season, boys. Um, special episode this one, uh, we are going to do a major focus on, of course, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, 9-11 episode for all you listeners out there. Although this isn't going to be any sort of, you know, explosive new evidence or any uh, kind of new theories on what happened or any of that sort of stuff, what we're really going to kind of focus on now is, is more of a reflection, I guess, uh, and... We'll kind of try and, try and tie that into uh, our, our modern times right now, 20 years onwards, and what we've learned from, from things back then. Um, we, we're going to kind of have a chat to the boys about, and myself, and we'll, we'll have a chat about, you know, where were we on 9-11? It was at such a, a pivotal moment in our history. You know, this, this was our main major event when we were kind of a bit younger and stuff, you know, 20 years ago. Um, you know, this was... Yeah, we think about the the previous generations. They would have had things like the you know the Cold Wars, the Vietnam Wars, the World War Twos, and then previous before that, of course, you know you've got like the World War Ones and everything else happening at the time. You know, these are their big pivotal moments in their histories. But this was ours, you know, in twenty years ago. That is, of course, twenty years on, we we're experiencing another pivotal moment. But this could, I guess, you could call it, you know, the whole Corona hoax business. The next generations, like my children and, and you know the teenagers and the twenty year olds and so forth, then. That's maybe that's their generation's uh, main pivotal event in in terms of uh, steering society. But today, like I said, folks, we're going to just have a basically a, a bit of a reflection. We're going to talk about some resources that uh, you might want to uh, look into yourselves or share with family and friends to discuss nine eleven. Uh, it is still a hot topic, you know. Even even to this day, they're still doing you know sixty minutes or whatever. Um, is that you, Andy? <laughs> I can hear you getting out of your car, mate. What are you gonna do? You're killing me, brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> Was that you getting oh, out of your sorry, car? Man. I'll, I'll mute. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Sorry. No worries, man. I love it. This is what we do. People love it. Oh, good times. But yeah, basically, we're, we're just going to talk about that sort of things. And I've got a bunch of questions, and we're going to each take our turn to kind of sharing our story, first of all. But, you know, it was 20, it was 20 years ago. And um, at the time of the attacks, it was. 
it was just getting around 11, 11.30 at night in the evening. So, uh, but before we do that, I'll just welcome to, we've got to, I just forgot to mention, we have a special guest uh, to give us a perspective on 9-11 coming from, not from America, but from the UK and seeing things from that kind of, uh, from that angle and what was happening to the world uh, at that time. John Hamer, who is a previous guest of the show, uh, both on our bonus shows, uh, Ethan's podcast, and of course on the uh, General Knowledge podcast as well. John Hamer, uh, author and researcher, is with us this evening. John, thanks for taking the time to uh, to come in for the chat, all the way from the UK, like I said. Yeah, no problem, guys. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me on. Really no worries, mate. Thanks for, thanks for um, getting up so early. I think I... <laughs> My bad. I will apologise to you on the air officially. I got you up an hour before I actually needed to. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I kind of fucked up my times a bit there. But anyway, it's it's all good. It's in the past. Uh, You've forgiven me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought it'd be really good to, um, I guess, to get a perspective from from someone else from another country as well. And of course, um, who else than uh, another amazing researcher and author like yourself, mate, to to kind of give us that perspective on on that major event, a pivotal moment in history like I mentioned earlier. But before we get there, I might just share with the folks, I guess, my personal story of of 9-11 and where I was at the time. Boys, it was, um, like I said, it was uh, around 11, 11.30 at night when uh, it all kind of started to happen and we started hearing these first um, news broadcasts. And I remember I'd just gotten home from work. I was living at Kangaroo Point at the time with an ex. Um, I I, I used to work at Kangaroo Point in one of the hotels there. So I was finished a late shift and I'd come home I was just winding down as you do, you have a bite to eat, you watch a bit of telly at late night TV, and then of course the late night news came on. And it was all this all you see, all this imagery. You started to see these the twin towers burning, there's planes flying into them, there's all this chaos happening. And um that was what I kind of remembered at the at the time. Was just this like holy shit. And I started bringing mates and texting texting mates, like, Are you awake? Like you do you know what's going on? Have you seen this? And we're on the phone, we're chatting and my girlfriend at the time, we kind of got her up and uh, roommates that I lived with as well were all just glued to the TV. All I can remember was just being absolutely captivated by what was happening on TV. It was incredible. Um, again, the, yeah, that imagery, the iconic imagery of those two towers smoking away, you know. And then, of course, um, 50, one of them was only 56 minutes It was uh, after it was hit, fell down. And, of course, the other one was, I think, uh, 102 minutes, I think. Uh, and then it fell down. That was even more chaotic. So I didn't get. I don't think I even went to bed until about four a.m. I think uh, that that evening or that morning, I should say, really. Um, and then the whole, of course, from there onwards, every day from there onwards was just nine eleven terror attack. You know, terrorist, 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 terror attack. Uh, Osama bin Laden was. Yeah, you know, by the time I was looking at the morning news, they had already started talking about Osama bin Laden. You know, he's the culprit. And it was just, it was such chaos. And I remember for months and week, or weeks and months afterwards, just the same thing every day, every day, every newspaper, because I, I was also one of the guys, you know, would deliver the newspapers to guests' rooms and stuff in the mornings. And every single day for months was about 9-11. It was some, you know, some sort of imagery, some kind of headline. It was on the front page every single day. It was just in our faces, 24-7 print, online, TV, radio, you name it. And of course, it was all about what they're going to do. And then you know, leading afterwards, it was about the invasion. And we're going to go in and get these people that are harboring terrorists. And of course, it was the invasion of Afghanistan. And uh, it, was, it was on for all, for all uh, young and old after that. But one of my girlfriend's good friends had security clearance 
in Canberra, uh, and he was he used to he used to work for Sun Microsystems, the big computer computer company. You guys might have heard of Sun Microsystems, and he was a coder, and he had security clearance for in in Canberra, and he used to go into like government facilities and uh, in the Defense Department. He used to do a lot of work for them, and he would. <laughs> He would openly come and tell us some of the stories and the shit that he was hearing. And, you know, when we started talking about 9-11 as, you know, only maybe a couple of days afterwards. And we learned about that, um, was it Shanksville? You know, the the flight that apparently just crashed into an open field. And yet there was no uh, evidence of any plane anywhere in that field at all. Just a burning hole in the ground, basically. Um, You know, we were hearing, he was telling us stories about, you know, the the plane didn't, didn't crash there. It was... It was shot down. The wreckage was scattered over this big area. This is what he was telling us from sources that he knew inside um, the Defense Department there. So that was really interesting. That was where I kind of got my first kind of glimpse of, oh, wow, like, man, maybe there is something else more to this kind of thing. And I, But that was where I'd left it. It was... I I will admit I was too swept up. I was not awake then, boys. I had no idea that, you know, it, what false flags were... Um, not that I believed everything on TV or anything, but I just never looked into it. And I never urged myself to, to look into it. But before we move on to the next question, I might just throw to you, Andy. Um, you just joined us a little bit late, but Andy's with us. Just tell us um, what you recall about 9-11, mate. Where were you on, on 9-11? That was kind of my story. I, I was you know up late at night after work, and yeah, it was on for for young and old after that one, mate. What about yourself, Andy? No, I... <laughs> It was a it was a funny day because I I started like I I was doing contract work in IT and I was installing you know some software and clients computers um, up on the north actually uh, Kabulcha way um, which is like way way north north of Brisbane yeah. and um, as far north as Kalanda I I got home really really late on that day I was absolutely like dog tired you know after installing all the software and getting all these people like organized with all the encrypted stuff. And, um, yeah, I got home. It would, I would have been around that, you know, time that you described around 10, 30, 11 o'clock and something like that. And my wife at, at the time, my first wife was, it was, the TV was on and there was just a point where there was a bit of smoke coming out of like the tower it must have just happened with the first air, airplane. Mm-hmm. And, all the news reports were saying is that an airplane has hit the side of the, you know, one of the twin towers. Yeah. So I just sort of saw it. I was really tired. I just thought, oh, look, somebody's just driven their bloody Cessna into the side of the thing, you know. We'll, you know, we'll see see what happens in the morning. You know, like I wasn't too – actually, I saw it, but I didn't sort of like take, you know, carry the weight about what the situation was going on. Anyway, yeah, woke up in the morning and and like you said, like we turned on the TV again in the morning to catch up on what was going on there and like it was like the world had just like exploded and we're at war and the, the media was in full overdrive. Like the media at that stage had had like a good six hours to like really wind itself up <laughs> and um, – yeah, it was freaking crazy, and um, I, 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 I must admit, I was totally like, um, totally caught up in the whole thing, totally, you know, totally with it, hook, line, and sinker. I really thought that we were at war. I thought this is it, you know, like we're we're into it. Like um, mm. everybody from the Middle East hates us, and like we're, you know, like 
we're at, we're, we're in a full-on World War Three here. This is incredible. Um, you know, it, and it wasn't until you know much much later that uh, that I started to question that, that narrative. And and uh, yeah, really, like Alex Jones was probably you know like the you know love him or hate him was probably the one that woke me up in that regards in 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 regards to 9/11, and then. You know, I just joined all of the dots between his shows and and other people's information and um, put it all together. So, so you'd but, say pretty um, much that from from that incident, you know, coming like you woke up the next day and it was just you know war, terrorists, nine eleven, burning buildings. You know, yeah. And that, so it just had this like it, it literally struck you and you you, you could honestly say that you fell for it basically like myself you know you kind of just went well oh. this is huge and oh wow terrorists did this yeah. you know it's just, this is incredible you know like got swept up in it yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah hook line and sinker yeah same. yeah yeah so absolutely. powerful that imagery you know, and, that, um, and all those headlines and the constant bombardment it's so powerful isn't it andy yeah yeah that's right mm. um it, it yeah that's absolutely right and different to you know the you know the the rona like scandemic it happened very very quickly like it was like one day one day it was normal the next day we were in absolute chaos yeah the know? world we, changed there's no warming yeah. to it or anything anything like that it was like overnight thing you know like mm. or literally because it was happening in the u.s um but um but yeah the mind didn't have a chance to sort of like you know um question any narrative or anything like that um and uh yeah man it was full on i just i remember going to uh, a new job actually the next day you know because i was doing this you know shitty sort of contract where i started a new job and I was walking through the Queen Street Mall, you know, like every capital city has its own mm-hmm. big mall. Brisbane has a one called Queen Street. And um, there was a massive big TV in the in the middle of the mall there, yep, yep. and there was literally hundreds of people, like office workers and city workers. And we were just, like, glued to this massive big TV. We just couldn't – I just couldn't drag my way up. Even though it was my first day in this new job, I think I finally walked up into the into the job at about eleven thirty in the morning after watching this massive TV with just about all of the people in in the CBD. Wow! It was it was so surreal. It was absolutely surreal. Like like just everybody was just standing there with their like bottom jaw just aghast yeah. at what what was happening, and um, you know how society was going to you know like travel out of this and where where we were all at so yeah yeah, yeah man i was just I was, I was caught hook line and sinker all absolutely right. well, yeah. i might move over to yourself ethan uh, same question brother what about yourself what do you i know you were a lot, you were a lot younger um tell us what you recall from from the that faithful moment mate yeah general so not too much as you mentioned i was uh pretty young as a 90s baby um wasn't uh too phased by 9-11 and, and don't really recall that sort of era. The, the first exposure I got to 9-11 was learning about it uh, through school, through the 2000s and, you know, all of that early propaganda that they had through there. And then it wasn't until I was sort of in my early teenage years that I was exposed to uh, the ACT realm, the alternative conspiracy uh, truther realm mm-hmm. uh, through means of, you know, we can chat about, you know, what my path of awakening was. But in terms of... 9-11, um, I, I don't really 
I wasn't really uh, old enough to really get what was going on. I was sort of the last generation that played at the end of the street general. So mm. I was probably out riding my bike and there was no internet sort of bombarding me with information. So, you know, that event sort of you, sweeped me by in a way. In it, Do you have any yep. of that iconic imagery though? Like was that kind of, was any of that kind of stuck in your head at the time? Like, you know, that, that the burning towers, any of that was... Or this whole Osama bin Laden terrorism was any of that? You know, did it have an effect on you at all? Was there any impact on you whatsoever from any of that imagery? Do you think on the news? No, no, I don't think so. Not for me personally. I can't speak for other people. Mm. Obviously, in my generation, you know, nine eleven since then has become very interwoven into my life and my story. Sort of in ways that I can sort of trace that I can't explain in in normal ways you know so i think my sort of journey with 9-11 and schooling and everything was a bit different Mm. to people but i often use my experience as a way to compare to um the kids of today which you met we were talking off air about the sydney siege event that happened they were teaching kids spot the jihadi and all of this type of stuff in australian schools and they're really teaching you know about 9-11 and the war on terror really heavily now so, like, the programming's really picked up. I sort of got a little bit of it, but it was sort of just mentioned, you know, in history classes mm. and all that type of stuff, you know. Like, we'd study World War Two and Hitler, and then it was 9-11. So, it was... I, I obviously had that imagery of the towers coming down um, as, as much, but I, I don't really think I fully grasped what that event was until I sort of, as I said, get in, got into my early teens and really was explained to the narrative um, through the side of the act realm, you know, mm. through the Jesse Venturas and the Alex Joneses and the uh, the David Ikes, that type of stuff, to, through my initial discoveries of it. And then Luke from We Are Change and all those types of people. So I sort of look back in retrospect, and I think that also helps me have a perspective because I wasn't really swept up in the the propaganda at the time mm. you know this is my first this is my first real big uh, world event hoax uh, to experience the big 311 coronavirus general i was always jealous i never got to fully grasp you know the moon landing or 911 or things like that at the time mm. but in a way i think it's helped i help i think it's helped me have sort of a outside perspective on events of the past mm. looking back yeah, that's good. It is interesting to have someone like yourself on who, like you said, wasn't impacted uh, in, in really in any kind of direct way, even on a mental level or, or a physical level that, um, that that event had you know, on, on the rest of the people, like your parents, for example, or, or you know, me and Andy and that sort of stuff. You know, it was, this was pivotal. You know? So uh, it's interesting to For have, sure. like I said, that's why I like, I, you know, now we're going to, we want to switch over to John now, who's going to give us another perspective because John's uh, a little bit older than the three of us. So... John, all the way from the UK, brother, mate. Tell us, um, you know, I'm not sure, what would, what was the time of the day when it, because it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, um, you know, when it happened. Saying I just, it, can you guys hear me? It's saying I I, my you. microphone's muted. Hang on. Sorry, are you there? Hello? You're on mute, General. Yeah, I don't yeah, know why. I, it, I just it, yeah, it. my microphone just it literally just muted by itself. I'm, I was... <laughs> I wasn't even touching the mouse. Yeah, no, no. I was just talking and then it just stopped. <laughs> ah, on Sorry about that. That's it. Maybe we've said the key word too many times. <laughs> I was I was saying, um, you, you know, what was the time of day, um, John, when uh, 9-11 hit uh, yeah, way back then on, uh, on you know, September 11th, 2001, 20 years ago? 
um, you know, yeah. where were you, what was happening, and uh, what was the impact it had on you at the time, brother? Okay, yeah. Um, well, here in the UK, it was early afternoon, because uh, we're, what, nine hours behind you guys, is it? Yeah. yeah. So it would have been about two-ish. Um, and we'd just come back from lunch. I, w- I was still working in IT at that time. I was working in IT sales, selling computer systems. Um, yeah, and uh, we came back from lunch, and there was all these guys crowded around the, you know, the computer screens. Uh, you know, it was the early days of the internet, mm. so you know we, we were getting some stuff on the internet at that point. And uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it at first. You know, I, I watched this stuff, and, you know, for a few minutes and. And then my brain started to uh, kind of clear a little bit because, you know, you see, you get this initial shock when I saw it, you know, like everybody else did, you know, these huge planes hitting the buildings or whatever it was. I can't remember. I think we'd only seen at that point, I, I can't quite remember, but had we, we didn't see the actual images of the planes until a bit later, did we? Uh, or That's did we? right. Did we see the no, because there, there was no live? real... F- there was no real footage at the time, except for, no. and I'll mention this a little bit later as well. I'll get into a little bit, a little bit deeper. Um, the the aerial footage from helicopters that were just filming the morning, you know, in in at the time, uh, they're the first ones yeah, to have yeah. broken some of the so called images of the planes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like everyone else, obviously it was quite shocking, and then it slowly began to dawn on me because I mean I was already not totally awake, but I was semi-awake by, by this time. Um, I think I mentioned before on several podcasts that it was the Princess Diana's death that kind of woke me up. Mm, that's right. So I, I'd already, yeah. So I'd already been down that road a little bit, down that rabbit hole. Uh, and then, it, you know, it, it didn't take that long. You know, I'm talking like half an hour watching this stuff until my brain started to tick over and I realized, so I quickly began to realize that this was just basically bullshit. And uh, I did try to tell people at work, you know, my views, but of course it got shouted down and called an idiot and all the rest of it, mm. <laughs> as you do. And uh, yeah, so I, I left that alone. And then it was only it was only like days after that, after the you know when the, the dust had settled, literally, mm-hmm. uh, that I began to research it for myself. And uh, there wasn't that much on the internet then, but there were little bits. And over the next few months. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I started to research it in depth and I found some very interesting stuff. But of course, a lot of that stuff, I know you asked me to do some, uh, you know, just a little bit of research beforehand about, you know, books, documentaries and stuff like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess we're going to cover later. But um, uh, th- there wasn't that much stuff at the time. And obviously, th- th- in, the, in the few years following that, there was lots and lots of stuff, but there was so much disinformation as well. And it was really difficult to sort the, um, you know, the good stuff from the bad. Yeah. Uh, but again, a lot of that stuff has now disappeared now. A lot of it, you know, so that it, even, you know, the, even the stuff that was good in those back in those times, uh, you know, I'm talking like 15, between 15 and 20 years ago, a lot of that stuff has now disappeared. You know, there's nothing on YouTube at all. Nothing worth watching on YouTube anymore about it. Um, so, yeah. It didn't have that big an impact on me because, as I said, I was kind of semi-awake by then anyway. And it was only two two months after 9-11 that I was actually made redundant from my job. And and so and that's when I became a full-time geopolitical analyst, researcher and author. So, you know, it kind of, it was a, a catalyst in a way because, it, you know, probably if 9-11 hadn't have happened at that time, well, I'm sure I would have still been made redundant, but I don't think I would have gone down this research route. 
so in that sense, it did change my life, really. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it was very, yeah, very pivotal point in my life, really, even though I wasn't totally shocked and surprised by it. Uh, I mean, it was it was traumatic, wasn't it? Because, I mean, it had an effect on everybody, really. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 like I say, it didn't really impact me as much, perhaps, as other people, because I, I very quickly became aware that it was just all bollocks, you know, mm. so... Yeah. Well, being being in uh, a ho- like I was always in hospitality, so I worked in a lot of hotels in in Brisbane in the uh, the state capital, and I remember at the time there was, you know, it was uh, these orders sort of come down from you know the bosses and things. It was like you know remove all the bins, you know, no bins in public, and um, I don't know if you boys <laughs> oh, yeah. remember so yeah, because everyone was afraid of like retaliation or other bombs in in other cities, and there was all these. Um, you know, not really credible, but there was all these little terror threats and, oh, we've got some intel and there was all this constant stuff happening uh, from there onwards, even in even years afterwards. But I remember at the time there was that sort of stuff happening. It was, you know, everyone, it was all, you know, you don't have any bins in display there. Someone could, a terrorist could go and put a, a bomb in a bin and, you know, they could level this building. It was all this, such fear, just this fear, constant fear all the time. It was very painful. It was, it was overwhelming, to be honest. And, uh, I think I I was kind of just getting sick of it to be honest. I was I, I was within about a month or two. I was I reckon I was over the headlines. I was overseeing it all the time. And whenever it came on TV, I always you know changed the channel. Oh, this fucking nine eleven thing again. Oh my god, they really rammed it down our throats. You know, all I knew was well, it was too much. It was just too much for me. I just I'd had enough of it. Um, and we might just I might just start to because uh, we we kind of all kind of talked about you know if we got sort of swept up in that whole fear and propaganda and stuff and you know a lot of us did and like yourself you kind of didn't and um it kind of didn't affect ethan at all and you know andy and i we kind of got swept up in it admittedly but in terms of yeah it took me a couple of years i'm talking um geez maybe 2011 so could have been about 10 years on before i started kind of trying to look into it and i kind of woke up to all that all that sort of the false flag stuff. And what did it for me as I remember, and this was basically to do with my entire waking up to all the nonsense happening was when I was working in hospitality again, I, I had a, a musician come up and, and hand me a DVD and he said, you should watch this. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And he's like, Oh, you know, do you he's like, you know, asking me these questions, do you believe the, you know, the government and all this sort of stuff and everything they tell you? And I'm like, no, nah, not really like, you know, but I don't really look into stuff. And he's like, right, oh, you've got to look into this. And, He's like, I want you to watch this DVD, and next time I see it, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm like, all right. And it was the first Zeitgeist film, um, documentary that was put out. And it took me, I had that that DVD. I didn't throw it away, but I didn't watch it straight away. I had it in my, had like a, a laptop bag that I'd take to work with me. I had it in that for, for, shit, months, I reckon, before one night, sitting up, having a couple of whiskeys, and I went, oh, I'm going to watch, nothing to watch. I've watched all my movies, and I grabbed this DVD and went, oh, fuck, I'll give this a go holy shit like not that i uh, 100% believe and i can probably poke holes and all of the things that that dvd now shows but that woke me up to a whole host of stuff you know the false flags you know all this business about uh, money and um you know the, the banking stuff and all these things but you know i remembered seeing in the documentary the, about the the twin towers and they would show i think in that loose change documentary he borrowed clips from um the loose sorry in that zeitgeist documentary he borrowed clips from the loose change documentary that was another one i looked into i was like oh loose change what's that one you know and i started looking at because he had clips from alex jones and like andy mentioned before 
Um, you know, he, I, I love him or hate him. Yeah, he was one of the ones that helped wake me up to all this stuff. So I looked into Alex Jones, looked into all his, his podcasts and some of his documentaries and kind of got swept up in his side of things. And then, you know, as you do, you, you look at more and more and more and more things. And before I know it, yeah, so Loose Change was one of the ones that I thought did a really good job on that documentary and asked a lot more questions and showed you a lot more information about what false flags were and how they were planning for these kinds of false flags way back when Kennedy was president. You know, it was fascinating stuff. And I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and then I got onto, you know, things like, um, September Clues. That was, that's probably one of my favorite 9-11 documentaries talking about how there are no planes that crashed into buildings because it was all done via really sloppy video editing and, um, all that sort of stuff. I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen September Clues or not, but it's a, it's a really good one. Um, I'll go into some of the other ones in a minute though, but I might just, Andy, we'll continue around the table. Um, We'll focus on the question, what was it that woke you up to, to 9-11? And we'll, we'll, we'll pass that question around the table. But like I said, it, I've had my moment with the gentleman on that DVD, and that was the Zeitgeist film documentary. That's the one that got me into the mood of looking into things. What was it for yourself, Andy, that, that flicked that switch and started making you uh, question the official narrative of 9-11? That, yeah, that, um, yeah, that Zeitgeist film really got to me too, actually. Oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, we must have been exposed to it at a very similar time. Mm. Yeah, and and the, the, there was a lot of those DVDs getting around, and um, yeah, I happened to get a copy from a friend as well. And um, and yeah, you know, like I started a computer business. Um, oh, it's, uh, it was around well, actually, it was uh, 2002. So yeah, so we had the internet and stuff like that too. So I I, I really started getting into Jones's stuff, um, yeah, and uh, you know, a bit of David Ike as well. He sort of started. There was a couple of books coming around and some other videos, and yeah, slowly I began to join the dots. But, uh, but you know, but like a few years after, it just things just didn't feel right. You know, the airport security was just like ridiculous, mm. and um, and you know, yeah, and especially especially that, especially the way airports were, you know, carrying on. Um, was there any particular uh, it, it, key thing, though, Andy, that you would say, you know, made you change your mind or, or re-examine your, your um, you know, what you thought about 9-11 per se on that day? Like, was it something about explosion? Like, was it more about explosives or was it, you know, Building 7 that, you know, was definitely demolished on the day mm. and you know, without any, any planes hitting it? Was, it? was there something else? Because I didn't even freaking realise, you know, that Building 7 was even... <sighs> come down until I watched the, the Zeitgeist film, I'm pretty sure. Um, I might yeah. have a loose change one. I can't remember which one exactly, um, but yeah, was it, was it, what was it specifically? Do you think, do you, or can you recall even um, that kind of went, you know, yeah. what's that pivot? What's that? What's, what is it? That thing that, that you, you went, wow, <laughs> wow. That just pulls that thread and it's just, it's all falling apart for me now. Do you remember anything? Yeah. Look, you know, yeah, yeah, I do. I do specifically remember, um, a still image of there was the Pentagon when the when the um, aircraft I mean sorry the missile hit the actual <laughs> um, the Pentagon um, and uh, there was a there was a little wooden like a little side table that you would put on the side of your bed bedside table mm. thing with a with a stack of books almost in the middle of it it's sitting amongst the rubble there so the 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 question was like how come that little wooden table 
with those books are still sitting there in that in that rubble like it was sort of sitting upright but the aircraft itself had melted into nothing yeah right yeah. so that was that was something that i thought man that is that is a very interesting question that's being posed by you know whoever it was yeah or whoever it was whether it was jones or, or whatever that 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 really that was a big aha moment for me that was a huge thing and then and then of course we were exposed with you know building seven and also the also the wreckage from one of those airplanes that were um actually like apparently driven vertically straight into the ground mm. you know and once again no wreckage because because of the force of the impact it was such a terrible impact it was just a you know the the actual the structure and everything just disintegrated into oblivion and yeah there's yeah. nothing left and there's just a hole like you what know, about what? the rest of the plane with the wings and the engines you know like where did yeah. they go you know <laughs> yeah i see what you mean yeah it was such a forceful impact there was nothing left it was all absolutely obliterated into a into into like smaller than atoms atoms i don't know it was just mm. you know when you looked at it like it was just 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 ridiculous and then and then of course the dominoes in my mind fell over one by one and yeah. I started putting it all together you start poking yeah. more and more holes in it yeah. I, I was going to say mm. uh, i've kind of forgot to mention too yeah so the one of the things that did it for me was the the i mean how do they get these terrorist names i'm like how do they know the names of these guys i'm like and how do they get pictures of them like that was always i was one of the things i was wondering because you know, they apparently died in these plane crashes and like how do they know who they are what their names are you know they apparently found one of the passports that you know survived the wreckage somehow like you know what i mean like that was one of the things i was like wait a minute that's fucking bullshit come on and then that all just sort of unraveled there and i went no no i'm going to look into this a bit more and yes yeah, so that all just kind of fell apart for me there but let's cross yeah. over to to you ethan what was what would be your um your pivotal moment what woke you up about 9-11 specifically if you can if you can remember it yeah absolutely general so uh, my journey's a bit interesting i was always a wrestling fan as a kid still am um i've always written about how the uh the social engineering tactics of wrestling are a microcosm of the larger false reality that we have as well you know it's almost a testing ground on how to manipulate emotions over the last century and you know politics there's good guys and bad guys all part of the same sort of thing so wrestling was uh big to me as a kid and i liked old 80s and early 90s uh, wrestling and jesse ventura was a big wrestler back then and one day i come across one of his shows general uh conspiracy theory with jesse ventura yes which is on great True show. TV. <laughs> and that was that was awesome so i was watching that um you know all the shows on area 51 and all that type of stuff but when it got to the 9-11 episode something just struck me different about that you know there was a two-part special they were investigating the the tower collapse in the, in the first one and then in the second one the pentagon and there was just so many questions a lot that you've just raised uh the both years um just now about you know passports and, and collapsing and building seven and all this type of stuff that just really struck me differently and, and on that episode he had david ike and alex jones and a couple of other guests on that that were sort of just feeling uh, personalities to talk about it and so naturally I went and discovered these people and ended up watching Loo uh, Loose Change yeah. and Loose Change was a, was a very good uh, documentary 
But the thing that really got me was I was watching Alex Jones one day and I discovered Luke Radowski from mm. We Are Chain. Legend. And in two, this was around 2011, and he was on fire in 2011. If you just type in We Are Change Best of 2011, it should still be on YouTube. And you can see him confronting Donald Rumsfeld and confronting the 9-11 commissioners and confronting all of these people that were involved, you know, getting fake press passes and sneaking in and then being escorted out. You know, what? why did you take out, you know, insurance policies to Larry Silverstein, you know, all of these types of things. And I was really inspired by that. And it turns out that we are changed. Chapters are all over the world. And from that, you know, I was already thinking of becoming a journalist. I saw, you know, I was so something really struck me about that 9-11 episode and Luke was doing all this type of stuff so it was almost fate that I stumbled across We Are Change Brisbane and almost 11 years ago 10 and a half years ago I stumbled along for my first 9-11 street action with uh, We Are Change Brisbane handing out flyers to the public and that group of people have really you know just chatting about 9-11 for almost a decade now we had the 20th anniversary street action yesterday it was awesome to catch up about 14 15 of us all on the brisbane corners nice. 9-11 truth handing out flies you know and over the course of that 10 years you know that's where i really sort of just discovered nine not just 9-11 but a lot of other things about the world you know that um was in the so-called truth movement you know and in a few years that i was doing that Another great DVD come out, which was uh, Architects and Engineers Explosive Evidence DVD, which was that real technical analysis from all of the architects and engineers talking about the collapse and Building 7, etc., etc. We uh, obviously saw the, the work of Dr. Judy Wood starting to get big at that time, you know, directed energy weapons and stuff. And the 9-11 movement just uh, continued on. But, you know, obviously, and we can get into this in the future, obviously... The 9-11 truth movement sort of has a lot of characteristics that we see with inner fighting and conflicting conflicts and all that type of stuff, conflicting theories. And so, you know, I've just always just maintained and I've my personal research has sort of gone beyond that to sort of the, the monolith key and some of the coding behind it and the larger messages and all that type of stuff, you know. But for me, my journey was... You know, you could say it happened uh, by coincidence, but all of those things sort of fell into line. And, um, you know, I went out and was actually a 9-11 activist, still am today, handing out information because it's such an important event, General. I love to, it. To um, wake people up. I love it. I love the fact that you, you still go out there and you meet up with those people who you kind of went along with originally and try and wake people up and you know hand out flyers and that's awesome man that's great stuff because when you when you mentioned in the chat or when i said we were going to do a show on 9-11 you're like oh yeah i'll be doing my 9-11 street action i was like oh yeah you'll be out there doing the with the we are change folks and is that um is that herman is herman one of those guys uh yep so herman um yeah, steve was... hunter who's does all the illustrations and cartoons for oh, the right. News. He's, yeah he's cool yeah he heads out there yeah, um, he's he's been so he they started in 2008. So Steve was an original truther back in 2001, handing out flyers, and he they started with um, Bruce Wham, who was a big one of the biggest 9/11 truthers, 
back when I first got in the scene, he had a little card going around. It was just a mysterious Bruce, you know. You didn't know who this guy was till you meet him when he'd be travelling around. He knew Richard Gage and everything. Yeah, cool. He was this Aussie. He was there yesterday. It was good to see him again. But they started in 2008, so it's been, you know, 14 years or something. They've handed out over 30,000 flyers to the public and free DVDs are burnt that we just hand out for people that are interested and stop for a chat, you know. Yeah. So we've hopefully had hopefully had an effect on, on Brisbane. You should have seen when I first started, man, people would dance around me and spit on you and say they what? knew people in 9-11 and all this stuff. Like the the backlash in 2011, sort of around the 10th anniversary, was was pretty wild. But these days, a lot of people walk past, like, yeah, man, Building Seven, you know, like they. A lot of people have sort of that's good come around to yeah. it. it seems. So amazing that it's taken 20 years, but I mean, it's kind of good to see, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, as we move on to the next one, mate. We just move on to the next hoax now. Yeah, yeah. Right as right as everyone wakes up, you know, just like JFK, everyone just goes, "Oh yeah, no, the government did uh, did kill him." Yeah. Like, who who cares? Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my sort of journey, you know. But I, I owe a lot to guys like Luke from We Are Change for sure, and, and his work. So. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's cross. Sorry, mate. I was going to say. Let's... No, I just said fantastic. Yeah, I was just going to say we'll cross to uh, to John. Uh, just whack yourself off mute there, John. Um, yeah, so again, over in the, the UK, um, what what was it, mate? What was the, the pivotal thing you can recall that kind of went, well, you know, this is, this is a false flag. What was it? it was some, something would have triggered that awakening moment, something you saw, something you researched or, or read about. What was it? Yeah. Or did you, was it your own, your own mind that kind of led you to that conclusion? Well, yeah, like I say, I was already semi-awake by yep. that time. You know, I was mostly awake. So after I've been watching all this crap on the TV for, you know, a, a little while, say on the TV, it was actually on the internet, but it was a TV show. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I realized then that same day that, that things weren't as they should be. So I began researching it, as you do. And of course, you, you, you go down a lot of blind, uh, you know, blind alleys for, for a while until you actually formulate your own idea of exactly what it was. Um, and of course, at the time, you you get all these different uh, perspectives on it. You know, there's lot there was lots and lots of different speculation, different ideas flying about. Um, and then eventually, you kind of narrow it down into what your own belief system is. You know, what your own belief system has, has, has kind of come to a conclusion about, if you like. And then you, you focus your research in, in that direction. And that's exactly what happened to me. After a few months, and especially when I'd, I'd given them a job and started doing this stuff full time, I, uh, I, I was deeply into the no planes thing because at first, um, you know, for, for a while, a lot of people, and probably still do, believe that the planes did exist. But I mean, there's so much evidence out there that the planes don't, never existed in yeah, the first place. I'm, I'm on board with that um, still. As he's, yeah. As Ethan mentioned, you know, Judy Wood's research is absolutely stunning, uh, Dr. Judy Wood. So I would recommend anyone to look at that stuff if they haven't already done so. You know, but there are lots of different things, weren't there, out there? Uh, you know, that, that Building 7 was, you know, I, I knew about Building 7 right from day one as well because of the, um, the, the I don't know whether you guys are aware of the BBC incident. The, the BBC announced it 20 minutes before it actually happened. Yeah, so that's, and that's one of the things I actually wanted to, I was hoping you would bring that up. That's awesome. 
because you're in the UK <laughs> yeah. and that's what the BBC did. They're sitting there talking about, oh, another building has come down. A, um, what was it? A yeah. uh, 41-story skyscraper, Building 7. That's- and as she's saying this, as she's sitting there saying this on the TV, it's there in the background behind her, still standing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, that was that was quickly removed from all news reports mm. and, uh, and from YouTube. And it only stuff. exists well, did, on did documentaries now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, but I mean, again, a lot of people don't don't know about Building Six either. I mean, are you guys aware of Building Six? Yeah, there was a, well, um, there was Building Three, Building Four with the gold underneath it, or yeah. was it Four and Five that had the gold underneath them as well? And yeah, uh, what was right. refresh well, my memory on Building Six though? Well, Building Six, when you see a, a the whole a bird's eye view of it, yeah, it was yes, just like somebody right. had taken a aura, like an apple corer, and gone down the centre of the building, and it was just like a um, you know, as though the the whole core of the centre of the building had just been extracted from above. You know, but, obliterated but, uh, I mean, somehow. You would expect that. Yeah, it, it, and it was to do with, uh, as Ethan mentioned, you know, DEW's direct energy weapons that were that, that were actually in play on that day. So yeah, I mean, that was the res- that was the kind of research that I stuck to. But there was a lot of there was a, there was mass distraction going on about what was really you know uh, about you know, what they wanted us to believe at the time. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't really focus that much on 9-11. I, I, got, I quickly got bored with it. You know, so by about 2004, I was onto loads of other stuff. You know, I was looking at historical events. And this is where my ideas from the falsification of history, my first ever book, came about. Because I looked at it many, many more historical events. By this time, I was getting bored with 9-11. So... So I didn't really concentrate on it that much, but I did write a uh, a huge chapter in that first book about 9/11. But I didn't I didn't concentrate. Uh, and they, and again, if the readers want to look at this, it's an alternative view of it. It's like um, I didn't look at the mechanics of it and how they pulled it off and what they did. I looked at the geopolitical uh, planning of it, if you like, and where the idea came from and how it was per- perpetrated. Not in terms of the mechanics of how it was perpetrated but politically how it was perpetrated. So that's a different aspect of it. Um, and I, and it basically, the article that I, I wrote was called Israel Did 9-11, which just tells you everything you need to know politically about it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so that that's a totally different perspective on it. But, you know, talking about the no planes thing, I, I between 2001 and 2004, I can't remember exactly when, I did do some uh, some interesting, well, I think it's interesting research on it. And, and if you want to, if you want me to uh, just spend a few minutes just going through that, I'll, I'll tell you some interesting facts about um, the uh, the people that were on the planes, shall we say, or the people that were on the, the non-people that were on the non-planes. Mm, mm. Okay, you know. I, what I did was I, I, I decided to look at the uh, American Social Security Death Index, which is the SSDI, and also the September 11th Victims Compensation Fund. Now, the SSDI is a privately owned website. It's not officially affiliated with US Social Security, but it boasts an accuracy rate of about 85 to 90% as regards to registering uh, US deaths. So. Before I did anything, I checked to check its reliability. I put I inputted the names of about 20 people, which were kindly supplied to me by an American friend. These were people that had died in his family, along with some friends and even a neighbour of his. 
And interestingly, with the exception of one person, I found that everyone I was looking for, which kind of gave me a 95% accuracy rating. So then I decided to take a closer look at the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund, which at the time was dubbed uh, the Shut Up and Take the Money Fund. You know, this is where the US government generously opened up their wallets and gave family members of those who lost, lost their lives lots of money, in return for which families were basically told to shut up about anything else concerning 9-11. So, um, yeah, and at, at this point, just, just before I continue, just I think it's important for everyone to consider how powerful the notion of human greed is. And remember this concept as I, as I go on here. Okay. Now... Bearing in mind that the names of all the official victims could be found in, in lots of websites, here is basically the results of my research at that time, and I'm just referring to some notes now, because this is an article I wrote about 15, well, 15, 16, 17 years ago, I can't remember exactly. Now, let's take each flight individually. Flight 11, of the 92 people who were listed as dying on that flight, only 20 are listed in the SSDI. And of those 20 people, only three are on the compensation fund list. Well, Right. Flight 77, 64 people listed as dying. Only 14 are listed in the SSDI. And only five are in the 9-11 compensation fund list. Flight 175, 65 people listed as dying on this flight. Only 18 are in the SSDI and only three on the 9-11 compensation fund list. And the fourth one, Flight 93, this is the one that crashed into the ground, allegedly. Mm -hmm. 45 people allegedly died on that flight. Only six of those are in the SSDI, and none are on the compensation fund list. No one, not a single one. So, of the passengers and crew of Flight 11, 77, 175, and 93, only an average of 20% of them are in the SSDI and only 11 relatives out of all those people applied for compensation. You know, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it, it defies belief because why wouldn't you? I mean, surely they should be all of them, all of them compensated, all of them on that SSDI. Like, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't they be? No. Absolutely. I mean, surely there, there so might this, be one or two anomalies. You maybe maybe half a dozen at most. Yeah. You know, maybe they didn't have relatives yeah. or something to that effect. But not all, not the the majority of them. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. So my conclusion was they just took a few people. Um, you know, just to kind of um, uh, give the impression that for anybody who did that research, that that yes, there were some people that died and in, in, on those planes. But they didn't, you know, they couldn't be bothered to do the, you know, the full uh, gamut of people on there, if you like. Mm. Um, so it's obvious, you know, it was, it was all made up stuff. So, you know, that's just obviously one of just the many, many incon inconsistencies, inconsistencies in the official story. I mean, you know, you, you can, there are books and books written on this, you know, <laughs> but uh, not that specifically, but I mean, the, the whole the whole inconsistencies in the official story stuff. Mm. You know, there's loads, thousands of books have been written on it. Yeah. But it's and, all and very... What, I, yeah, what I love the most, John, is that whenever they the there was an inconsistency that came up, you know, especially uh, in the lead-up to the 9-11 Commission and their report, 
any of the inconsistencies that came up in the story just weren't included <laughs> you know or they, or they just yeah, never looked absolutely. into them you, if you don't look you won't find you know what I mean <laughs> that's right that's right and, and as regards the no planes issue I mean there are so many videos well there were I mean I'm not, I've not looked for years and years but there used to be a lot of videos showing how the um, CGI was done you know with the planes you know you get things like the um, you know the, the edge of the nose of the plane going yep. through the far the end the nose of the out shot yeah yeah, that's right. It's, I mean, so so amateurish. It was almost as though they wanted us. It's almost as though they were telling us that uh, you know, look, you idiots. This is how we did it. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's just. Mm. It's weird, you know? Yeah. Are you familiar with those ones, uh, Ethan? Do you have you watched September Clues or anything? Yeah, general. Yeah. yeah so September Clues is more towards uh, what I subscribe to. Um, I've I've sort of done membership videos on examining sort of September clues and you, you mentioned some great points from that you know examining all of the different angle shots of all of the different media as well mm. that he does on that and sort of lining up the trajectories and seeing that they're that they're not equal they're not aligned yeah. in different shots you know yeah. the plane's almost been inserted but if you were to do a 360 round table analyzing all of the camera shots they don't add up and yeah. he did some really great work on that and and I think that you know as with um, some of the great work John's done. And as he said, there's been thousands, literally thousands of books written um, on 9-11 sort of exposing a lot of the inner trading and all of the, the stuff that we're talking about. But, you know, this whole theory of, in, in the words of uh, good, good old John the Bond, nobody died, nobody got hurt, you know, that it was all just this big manufactured TV event. I think a lot of people might start to come around to that notion now that we are looking at coronavirus general and how they just make up deaths like they are now mm -hmm. with the statistics and they don't even know if COVID played a role in the death. You know, the doctors can't determine it, all this stuff. Yet the death count for future generations will say hundreds of thousands of people died uh, from coronavirus, right? Mm. So, that, so what's not to say they haven't done that in the past with things like 9-11, with... You know, just um, hyping up or fabricating or, or manufacturing all of the things. We saw on 9-11 that, you know, the dogs were sent in to so, uh, find remains and they could barely find any remains. So the media had to sort of just create these fake stories of the dogs finding some. You know, it's, there's so much to, to, to analyse in, in, in this type of thing. But I really am more subscribed to this notion of you know, it's it's more fake than people believe that it is in terms of things like September clues and things like examining well who really died, who was really on those planes, what do the records say? Can we find any evidence of these things? Mm. That's really sort of the path I subscribe to. Yeah. Could I could I just jump back in again there, Please. really? Just 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 add something in there. Go for it, mate. Uh, something you know, pulling on from what Ethan said about making up the um you know the numbers, the death numbers, and stuff like that. I uh, I saw a uh, some research that some guy had done. I can't remember who it was now. It's a long, long time ago, but it was about this guy in the states who, um, it during the year, the twelve months following 9/11, he actually went about on the streets of New York interviewing people um, who uh, had been there. You know, at that around the World Trade Center on that day, and had witnessed a lot of the events. And he interviewed something like two and a half thousand, three thousand people over a long period of time, and not a single one of them had seen a plane. Yeah, 
That's right. And if you recall, guys, on yeah. on the on the day of the, of it actually happening, every time uh, a news outlet crossed, you know, to to get someone else's perspective, well, let's let's we're going to talk to so and so, and you know, they're they're close by in another building. They're looking onto what's happening. Tell us tell us what you see. Every time they did that, they went they crossed to someone else. It wasn't. It it, it was someone who worked in and around or was related to the TV network themselves. You know what I mean? They weren't crossing... They were crossing to people who we, they could rely on to tell whatever story they wanted to say. Tell us, you know, here's this, read this, this is what you saw, and there you go. And it wasn't like any witnesses on the street they crossed to. And all the ones that you see now, or back on the day, if you can still get the archive footage, which a lot of people still have, but a lot of it's been scrubbed from, from the actual TV networks themselves, like CNN and all this sort of stuff, and CBS and whoever was there on the day. They've gotten rid of all of their archive footage of the reporters, you know, dropping truth bombs and, and asking the real questions and talking to actual people on the ground then saying, what did you see? Did you see something? And and people were like, oh, I thought I saw a missile. You know, I thought I saw this. And none of none of them were saying they saw a jet airline flying into a building. But you can't find any of those anymore. They've scrubbed them all from their own servers on their own news websites. They're all archived you know, on other places now and, and, and within documentaries themselves. So they've kind of, you know, memory hold a lot of that stuff because it didn't fit the official narrative because, you know, it was all a lie. There's so many lies. But you're right. Even, and like I mentioned, Ethan was talking about in September Clues before as well, but I think in that documentary, he even breaks down even even some of the sound effects they used, you know, like symbols and, you know, all this sort of stuff He when the planes were impacting and or the plane or the buildings were falling or, you know, even those dubbed sound effects were added into these things. Women's, a woman's screaming was used twice on in two separate videos that were apparently handed in as witness videos, you know, of, of the planes hitting. And it's the same woman screaming in both of those videos, you know, like it's that's how that's the amount of trickery it, it went to and it fooled a lot of people but like that's a good documentary to break down a lot of that kind of fakery within that which i love and that's again i'll recommend that and that will be in the show notes for sure september clues is a must watch for anyone even even 20 years on go back and watch that and you'll be blown away by the amount of non-witnesses like john was saying the amount of non-witnesses to the event People were like, "Oh yeah, I heard a noise, and I was over there, and you know, I was I was talking to my buddy, or I was in a store, and I rushed up, and I was seeing the see there's buildings on fire and smoke and stuff." You know, none of them are saying, "Yeah, I saw a 737 fly into that building. It had you know American Airlines on the side." There's none of that. You know, it was all inserted yeah. afterwards. You know, even there was a yeah. yeah, I could go on and on. There's so many of them, but it's all fake. It's all it's all fakery. Provable. You know, it's yeah. incredible. In general, you. You make a general. You make a good point about the uh, the witnesses too. You know, bringing that up, all of the witnesses that we saw on the day, you know, being interviewed by CNN on the ground and stuff. I mean, some of them, if you go watch them, some of them are just a complete joke. You know, yeah. there's one famous one where they they interview one bloke and he's like, they're like, oh, what did you see? And he's just like, oh, I was standing here and then I just saw a, a, a 747 go real into the twin towers and then it collapsed mainly due to structural fire yeah you know? <laughs> mainly due to structural heat because it was too you know he's dropping all the, the dropping all the talking no points dust. yeah yeah he he just like relays the official story like oh yeah and then an hour later it just it just failed due to structural you know integrity failing <laughs> and then just come down in a, in a pool of its own thing you know that's what i saw and it's yeah. like 
all of these people are just complete actors that you see on the ground. Yeah. And the ones that were the ones that were really on the ground talking about, you know, things like, and and uh, this is you know people can debate you know how the buildings come down you know with directed energy weapons or explosives or whatever. But the witnesses that were on the ground, firefighters and all this stuff that talked about explosions and weird things happening like mm -hmm. cars being toasted in the vicinity of the area, oh, yeah. they were shut out. You didn't you didn't see them till the you watch some of these great documentaries that we mentioned. You know, so mm -hmm. I think that everyone that did witness things um, on the ground are really some of the, the the better perspectives to get from. A, in terms of did you see a plane, and B, you know, what did you see actually or hear actually happening? Because you get some very interesting stories. Yeah, and there's even um, you know some of the so-called like the, they they refer to it as the Zapruder film from like back in from the JFK assassination. Um, you know this long lost footage that someone had of the plane hitting the twin tower from some tourist who didn't realize what he was capturing at the time in like come on seriously you're only just discovering this you know yeah. seven years on or whatever it is and you thought oh i better hand that in to the authority come on seriously like it's so it's so ridiculously like <laughs> fake and and just another made-up story to try and fit that narrative of, of there was a plane um and how much have if we been people, bombarded with it too Sorry, go, mate. Oh, for sure, mate. No, for sure. We've been bombarded. It's, for, yeah, planes, constant, planes, planes. You know, and, yeah. and it was the biggest thing that happened to the world. Yeah, it was absolutely um, ridiculous, you know. And even when you... If, if people don't um, suspect something, you know, that a camera is perfectly set up at a hotel watching the first plane come into the building, you know, if people don't think there's things suspicious up about that, that all these cameras are perfectly set up before the planes hit to capture it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, um, you know, that's just some of the, the layering back you've got to peel back as well. Yeah. And look at um, the, the the video quality, right? The, and September Clues, again, points out that, that particular fact. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a clear, fine day that morning barely a cloud in the sky it was a beautiful new york day there were i think three helicopters flying around at the time and one a couple of um cameras stationed on buildings like you just mentioned but when you look at the footage from those cameras it is like sepia tone it's dull it's gray it's blurry like it's it's intentionally made it to to look hard to focus on anything that could be you know imported into that imagery later so that you can't quite tell oh what am i actually looking at it's kind of a shadow it's not really clear you know when it was actually a perfect day perfect day for filming anything really and then that's what we're, we're given we're given these horribly yeah, great point yeah and then again then you've got the zoom out there was that three three phase uh zooming in sorry not a zoom out so it starts with a wide angle and the twin towers deep in the background in manhattan and then you've got it zooms in once and then there's no plane nothing zooms in again and then all of a sudden out of nowhere bang this plane just all of a sudden flies into the side of the building you're like well it was not there on the previous two shots of zooming out you know from a from a zoomed out perspective zooming in two more times you didn't see any plane anywhere in the in the sky at all 
but on that final zoom in, all of a sudden, bang! There's a plane. It just it just enters the field, the uh, the screen. Yeah, miraculously, it's there. You're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on there? And then, of course, <laughs> then they go through and and rip that to shreds as well. With like John mentioned earlier, with the nose out, you know, the nose of the plane magically goes through the steel building and pops out the other side. Um, you know, then they, they talk about the. Uh, the master or the masking lines so whenever you do edit video editing or you know visual editing or that sort of stuff you have these masking lines which you can use to uh insert other imagery in on top of in layers and stuff you know like that was all present um yeah it's just fascinating fascinating stuff lots of resources and that was the next point i wanted to go through i've got a quick list here which i'll go through now um and then i'll just cross over to andy and, and everyone can just add their kind of two cents worth in and in terms of what they would use as their go-to for anyone questioning anything about 9-11 uh, we have talked about a few already as well but any other ones you, we we have um maybe they've only just you've only just thought of them or you've made some notes while i've been talking um like I mentioned, Zeitgeist Part 1, the first video, the first Zeitgeist film. Uh, Loose Change. Loose Change is a is a wonderful documentary. Well done to Dylan Avery and... Um, was it Jason Burmis or the other guy that helped him with that one? Well done to those two young guys. Um, then you've got uh, September Clues, of course. I cannot mention that enough. That's a fascinating uh, film. Um, uh, Ethan, you mentioned The Architects and Engineers, The Explosive Evidence. That's a great one. Of course, Je- uh, Jesse Ventura's uh, Conspiracy Theory TV show, specifically the 9-11 episode, was a good one. Um, Dr. Judy Wood, her books and her... Um, she's done a lot of um, talks. Like She's done like um, you know uh, speaking events when she's gone through slides and all that sort of stuff. And you can actually still look those up. I'll try and dig up a couple and... Um, and uh, put them in the show notes. I actually got to speak to to Judy Wood. Actually, um, I think Adam um, and Mick. It was just Adam, or if it was Mick and Adam on the Conspiracy Oz podcast. They managed to get her on for an interview, and I got to. I didn't get to be on the show with her, but I got to speak to her afterwards and stuff, and ask her a few questions. And she's a lovely lady. Um, yeah, so her stuff. Her, her her she talks about the dustification of the buildings, how the 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 mass of the buildings was not on the ground. It it literally dustified before it even hit the ground. There's some really cool imagery and some uh, videos uh, still available where you can literally literally see these steel beams that were kind of there, and they just they just fade away to dust in the middle of it. Um, before it even hits the ground so that's fascinating stuff there again all the the cars Ethan I think you mentioned the toasted cars uh, or was it John uh, around uh, in and around the buildings and around New York at the time all these cop cars and all these melted they were just melted for some reason And but yet the it was um, all this paper debris that was around them at the time wasn't them on fire and burning but yet the cars were all melted and burnt it was just fascinating really weird stuff um, so Judy Wood all of her stuff uh, I would, I actually would point people to James Corbett. We've had him on the podcast before as a guest, but James Corbett's done some amazing documentaries and a lot of um, information about 9/11. Four in particular, which he's got one 9/11 trillions. So that's the one talking about follow the money, basically, with uh, regards to 9/11 and the, all the money trail. And uh, yeah, of course, of course, Donald Rumsfeld uh, on September 10, the day before. Uh, going up and declaring a war on Pentagon bureaucracy, talking about how they couldn't account for 2.3 trillion dollars in um, in money in the, in the budget in, from the Pentagon budget, and then of course 9/11 happens the next day, and of course the Budget Assessing Office 
is where they were investigating that 2.3 trillion was the area of the Pentagon that got hit that day on 9/11. So that covered up their uh, their crime there. Uh, 9/11 suspects is another good one that he did, talking about all the people um, like Philip Zelikow and Condoleezza Rice, um, a lot of the military people, all these guys that were in that could have, were most likely involved in planning and, and preparing 9/11 for it and allowing for it to happen. Uh, 9-11 War Games, which is a really good one, talking about the, the I think, f- three or four war games that were being run at the exact time the 9-11 uh, attacks happened and the confusion that it led to with the regards to the military response. And, of course, that was the reason why they had that stage on that day so they could pull off that event and it would look like it was probably part of a drill or, you know, or the people in who were trying to respond were like, oh, is this... And there's a really good snippet from, um, I think, someone from, is it Needs, the Northeast um, Air Defense Area? One of the Needs operators says, is this a real world or exercise? You know, he doesn't even know if it's if it's, this is a real event or, it's, or if it's just an exercise. Uh, that's a really good one, 9-11 War Games. The other one in 9-11 Whistleblowers. Now, this one I like as well because it talks about... How and everyone's probably heard this when you when you talk about 9/11 with family and friends or people who don't buy into it or who sorry who believe the official story, they all say things like, "Well, someone would have been there would have been a whistleblower. Someone would have come out. Someone would have spoken about it. You know, if there was people with this not inside knowledge or knew about it, then they would have talked about it. It would have come out." And they're like, oh, "So that in and it hasn't. So that, you know, it must be real. You know." So that, that documentary is basically dedicated to the fact that there are dozens of people who were who were speaking about it beforehand, warning about it, saying there's something going to happen, um, and and basically that you know these whistleblowers are there. That no one's just listening to them. They don't, people don't want to hear from them. The media doesn't want to hear from whistleblowers. You know, so uh, another those four nine eleven trillions, nine eleven suspects, nine eleven war games, nine eleven whistleblowers. Awesome, awesome documentaries by uh, James Corbett as well. All available on his website at corporatereport.com, but I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Now, Andy, any other, have I missed any? Of course I have. There's, look, like I think um, Ethan and John probably said before, there's literally hundreds and thousands of videos and books and documentaries we could we could <laughs> talk about. But have you got any, other than the Zykos one we mentioned earlier that we've, we've already talked about, is there one or is there a couple that you would go, oh, you've got to watch this in regards to 9-11 for anyone out there? It's been so long, hasn't it? Oh, I know. It's been like two decades. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and and like like Ethan was saying too, like, I think it really, really gained traction around like, you know, 2010, 2011, all of this sort of stuff. Um, man, look, nothing really, really springs to mind. Um, I haven't, I haven't done, I, I didn't uh, get into catching up with my old notes or, or the old research before this show. I mean, and you've done a great job, of course. But, I mean, I, I, I can really, you know, back at the time I was sort of listening to alternative media, mainly mainly Jones's stuff. And he did a movie really early on in the piece. I think it was like a year after the event that, that was um, screened. Um I can't, yeah, I can't the, think of the name either. Of yeah, I think I've even got a copy. Nine eleven. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a quick look while we're talking. That was kind of the. That was that was a that was a really really amazing doco for, you know, at the time it really just sort of you know like struck a real nerve with me. 
But um, one thing you haven't mentioned too, I mean, you know, like we've mentioned in the show, you know, the, like the pilot training that I've been going through lately and everything. You know, it's just, you know, like the, the issues around like a student pilot, like a student Cessna pilot um, getting the controls of uh, like a modern passenger jet, like is beyond ridiculous. You know, they're such totally different machines. They're not even, you know, the only thing they have in common is the fact that they have wings, and that's like that's where it starts and where it's where it finishes. You know, um, there's no way a like a student Cessna pilot who who never even got close to finishing their training in regards to flying an aircraft could possibly manage a modern a modern airliner there's just absolutely no way yeah that's right it's bullshit. and and yeah. and um and the other th the other the whole pentagon thing even the pentagon thing i think it was the thing that really really like gets to most people because the twin towers and that i think it's technically quite a you know like quite a brilliant piece of you know like you know like scam like going on there but the but the Pentagon attack seemed to be so awkward and so mismanaged and so clumsy the way that they did it. There's so many holes in the story. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, the obvious one is that the aircraft simply vanished. Mm. But, but the other one was the fact that, you know, these um, student Cessna pilots, like, managed to fly this aircraft at an extremely low altitude um, and then and then drive it into the side of the Pentagon, like into not not vertically into it, but like flew it at a low level altitude. Yeah, and, and the turn, the turn. And, even some military pilots were like, "This would be an extremely experienced, difficult turn for even some of the best pilots in the world to pull off that maneuver to yeah. slam it in the side." You're right. It's it. There's no way uh, a 737, whatever it was, that hit the Pentagon. I can't remember which type of plane exactly, but yeah, you're, you're spot on, mate. Yeah. There's no way a, Cessna, a guy who trained in a Cessna could pull that maneuver off. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and they didn't. Even the instructors at the time said these guys were just like they were just absolutely useless. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and the, and those those so-called trainee pilots, they never actually came anywhere near finishing their their training like none of them became pilots or actually like completed anything so they were basically just like wannabe student pilots of a very small single engine Cessna like it's just you know it's just yeah. that that alone just looking at that alone is just beyond ridiculous it's not funny like and just questions everything to do with everything you know like mm. without even looking at the the twin towers themselves so yeah. Yeah. um I, I think they were no, they were just set up as patsies to be honest uh andy you know that was course. that was part of it yeah we're gonna we'll we'll we'll, we'll, put, we'll see what it's like or, or they were probably would have been told you know help us out with this drill or what and um you know, we'll set you up. You know, we'll give you some uh, time in America. We'll pretend that you're going to go to a school to learn to be a pilot. You don't really have to do it. You don't have to complete it. You know, and it's just going to be part of our drills. We're going to run, and then bang, they were the patsies. They were, oh look, we found these guys. You know, we're keeping an eye on them. They were given these these visas. You know, to come into the country, and this is them. When of course we we know it was either. Uh, I'm still of the mindset that it was probably. Um, 
one of those big, um, oh fuck, what are they called now? Like a Global Hawk type um, remote controlled plane, but it's, you know, obviously like a Predator type one that filled with explosives that would have slammed into the building. Uh, either that or a remote oh, right. controlled type of, um, uh, you know, jet plane, which they've which they've used before. They've, they've, they've had this technology for a long time to remotely pilot... Um, jet airlines so yeah I definitely think they were patsies but you're right mate yeah there's no way these pilots yeah that was I think that's what I'm saying I think they were clearly part of the the setup agenda to, to to blame them as the patsies you know here we go follow everyone just goes off and follows the wrong rabbit hole over that way you know and looking for these guys and you know oh look they're aligned with um, Al Qaeda and you know <laughs> let's go invade Afghanistan you know what <laughs> yeah well, you um, look just... at it twenty years old, and and we're still and we're still and there's still shit fights and going on in the Middle East. It's still, it just it's just a never ending war, mm. you know. Mm. It's just like it'll never end, and it was always dubbed to be the never ending war, and that's absolutely true. Two two decades on, they're still they're still doing the same same nonsense down there. So, well, Andy, those um, yeah, documentaries you were referring to from Alex Jones was, I put them in the chat here. So it's 9-11, The Road to Tyranny. He did that like the year after. Yeah. And then um, the other one was Martial Law, 9-11, The Rise of the Police State. So uh, that was the one you we were trying to think of just before. Um, Thank you. No worries, bro. Well, let's, let's just ask Ethan. Any other ones, Ethan? Any other resources you can point people to 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 learn more about nine eleven and the false flag that it was and all the other, you know, all the other bullshit and stuff? What what uh, any other documentaries or TV shows or websites? Uh, anything you recommend for those people out there listening uh, to you know bring up and and talk about with their families and, and put onto them to say, have a look at this. Yeah, General. No, you've you've done a great job with um, the list. There's some great resources. Um, you mentioned James Corbett. He has a great. Uh, it's not a documentary, but a, a very famous short video that's really a great introduction to the lunacies of the official story. It's called "Nine uh, Eleven in Five Minutes." Oh, brilliant! Um, and that sort of just within a, a really short time span takes you through, you know, in a real comedic way, the official story. Um, of what happened on 9-11 so I recommend everyone uh, check that out if they haven't um, and if you're a little bit um, if you're interested in you know some of the more uh, sort of deeper um, coded sort of elements to it I'd recommend and I'll provide some links for this as well um, there's a good uh, short sort of presentation that's on YouTube uh, talking about did 9-11 uh, did sorry it's called did back to the future predict 9-11 um, and it goes oh. through there talking about some of the um, encoded um, predictive programming that's in Back to the Future and some of the symbolism. And from that, you know, you can be exposed to some of the greater concepts about not only predictive programming and, and, and how they've sort of drilled 9-11 programming into our subconscious many decades in, in cartoons and film and everything beforehand, um, but you can also get exposed to some of the other links like uh, 9-11 and the monolith key uh, the Millennium Hotel that's on 9-11 it, it looks exactly like the monolith uh, from Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey mm -hmm. which you know 2001 A Space Odyssey you touch the, the monolith you evolve and that was really a very catalytic event for all of us and there's a monolith there on ground zero so you know that video 
on Back to the Future, which I'll provide some links to. And I've done membership content on this as well. Brilliant. If anyone's interested, Brilliant. Right, um, you can sort of ex- ex- experience some of the larger things beyond narrative in terms of predictive programming and cinema and synchronicity and synchromysticism and the occult um, behind 9-11. So that's all I can throw in there as well. No, I like it. That's good. Um, I did. I was reading a little bit about that. Funnily, you should mention it too. I was um, reading about that, the Back to the Future predictive programming and how, you know, there's a scene when he first goes back into 1955 and he's in the barn and, um, yeah, the, the dad and his family, they open the door and they see the, the, the DeLorean there with its, you know, the lights are flashing and it goes it looks like an airplane without wings you know like um and then when he drives out he runs over and he and the, the two pine trees that are there he hits one of them you know so like the you know the the, the plane hitting one of the towers you know like all this so there's so, so much symbolism and then the clock you know there's all this like that goes from from lone pine to twin pines and all this sort of stuff yeah it's very yeah that's, very cool yeah. um but you're right that 911 that's really in, cool that's I was going to say that 9-11 in five minutes video from James Corbett is a, is a... I'm going to try and look that one up now. Uh, it's a it's an excellent one. Here we go. I've just found it now. Cool. Um, yeah, 9-11, a conspiracy theory is what was that, that uh, James Corbett one is called. It's on BitChute. You, you will not find that on YouTube. Um, like what John uh, mentioned earlier, everything that's on YouTube that's any good is getting scrubbed. Um, so, yep, find the... Um, Go to BitChute for all those sort of good ones. I just looked it up and it's definitely on there. Oops, you used to have millions of views. It had like 20 million views on yep, YouTube before it, it got taken down. Apparently, though, it is still there, but you've got to look for it by the exact name and you've got to scroll a while to find it. But um, No, no, sorry. No, no, I stand corrected. If you've got the link to that video on YouTube, it still works, but you can't search for it. That's what it was. He talked about it in, uh, in a okay. video after a while when he kind of got struggling, you know, getting shadow banned and all that sort of stuff. A couple of years ago, he mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. The 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 actual link to it, if someone's got it, it still goes to YouTube. To well, actually, not anymore because they've he's been taken off YouTube now. So, but up to a couple of years ago, it, it was still working, um, but you couldn't search for it. They made it unsearchable. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so cool. All right, so that's good. Yeah. Um, John, um, well, we, we might um, slowly start to wrap it up, but we'll cross over to you. Any other resources you can think of, brother, to get to the people out there? I know we've covered quite a few of them. Is there anything that I've missed? Have you yeah. got any, any good ones, any any pure gold out there that you reckon are to go to for sure for the 9-11 stuff? Well, the absolute definitive book on 9-11 is, is Dr. Judy Wood, Where Did the Towers Go? It's just a stunning piece of investigative journalism. It's just absolutely, you know, I can't speak highly enough of the book. I mean, that is, to me, that is the definitive account of what happened. Um, in terms of the technical aspects of it, you know, in terms of how, the actual, how it was actually physically done. But as I mentioned before, uh, again, you know, it's, I know it's a little plug for my book, but in the falsification of history, um, I explained the political aspect of it and how Israel directed it and, uh, and their direct involvement in it. Um, you know, because that, that is a very important aspect that, that I think it does get overlooked for, for obvious reasons. Um, but that, that bit out of my book, Falsification of History, for those who don't want to buy the book, is also on my website. And it's an article entitled Israel Did 9-11. I think I mentioned that before as well. 
All right. Could you um, um, just make sure yeah. you pop a link to that in the show notes for me, mate? And I'll put that um, sorry in this this chat, and I'll put that in the show notes of the podcast, brother. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. Yep. Um, and documentary wise, yeah, nine eleven debunked in five minutes. I think we've already mentioned that. Have we? Is that the same one? Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure that's. This, it could very well be the same one. There's a couple of them out there. I'll just quickly that, see, yeah, I did see that one there as well. Yeah. Uh, the nine uh, eleven and war by deception. Did we mention that one? No, uh, no. That's by right. uh, called uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Dawson. That's on Bitshoot. Um, uh, what planes by Morgan Reynolds? Uh, that's on brandnewtube.com, which is like uh, another kind of YouTube lookalike, but obviously uh, a little bit more lenient than YouTube. And, Who? What was uh, the guy's name that did what planes? Um. Morgan Reynolds. Morgan Reynolds, okay. Yeah. And the fake planes of 9-11. That's also on brand new cube. I'm just writing these down furiously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yep. awesome. I mean, I can put them in the... In the yeah, please in the do. I'm just trying to make notes so I don't forget them, that's all. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, just one particular web article, because as, we, as we've said, you know, a lot of this stuff has just been disappeared over the years. You know, there mm -hmm. was so much information, disinformation out there, but and a lot of it has gone now. Um, there was there's a, there's a, a particularly good article called "How 9/11 Was Done." dot blogspot dot com. That's a, a good website. Awesome. All right, I'll just make again. I can put these links. To yeah, if you yeah, could definitely put that yeah. one in as well, that'd be great because I'll, I'll make a note for all these will be. I want to make sure I don't miss a thing this time. I'm fucking terrible at putting things in the show notes for the listeners. That's my only downfall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do my best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 9 11 award yeah. reception. Yeah, cool. Got that one. So, awesome. So that's about it, really, on, on that, that aspect of it. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, well, that's great. Um, well, the only thing I kind of wanted to, to. We mentioned it a little bit earlier in the. Um, in the episode folks is that all of this you know it, it changed so much in our lives without people even realizing it did but it did and a lot of a lot of the laws in our countries um i think i mentioned perhaps off air but i can't remember if you included in this show now but you know even we've all had our our every country like you know John in the UK there had their they had their seven seven bombings in the London Underground, you know, and that of course was a, was a massive false flag as well because you know they were just so happened to be running drills at the same time and you know all that sort of shit. That's another really good event to look at as well, the seven seven bombings over there. But when that happened, your your government started to put in you know anti terrorism laws and really clamping down on on our, our basic freedoms and liberties we had a similar here of course in australia with um a lot of legislation being rushed through and pushed through especially after what was it the lint cafe uh ethan there was some um pretty hardcore legislation that got put through just after that event that was the the so-called shooting in the by a terrorist in the Lynn yep. Cafe in Sydney. Uh, Sydney right, Siege. The Sydney Siege, that's yes. right. Ethan, Ethan you, Siege, you right. covered that extensively over at tottnews.com. Um, but do you remember what the legislation yeah. was? I can't remember by name. Do you remember? Do you recall that legislation that got pushed through just after that one? By any chance? Um, so, 
Yeah, no. So right after that, um, and I'll provide an article. I sort of covered the legislation on the website as well. But there was three major pieces that actually went through, um, and one of you know that's the whole time when it was the foreign fighters bill and all that type of stuff coming through. Um, but it was, I believe, it was just the national security, you know, amendment the the previous version of it, but. It was in after that event that um, really the most sweeping powers that we've had in this country come in um, through three different trenches of legislation that all just went bang, bang, bang um, at the end of 2014, early 2015 um, during the Sydney siege sort of era, Mm -hmm. which sort of followed Newman Hayter and the the fake stabbing that happened a few months before that. So there was this build up you know raids on supposed terrorists in sydney and melbourne and everything and then yeah and then that that's what struck but there was yeah i'll have to get the exact ones but it was actually three major pieces that come through that really set the tone for what we're seeing today with you know we spoke last episode about the latest legislation that's been passed um, you know, which they can delete your data and modify your data and everything. That is a direct result of what was laid the foundation mm. with 9-11 and the Patriot Act and everything, and then obviously come into effect with Sydney Siege here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. John, can you recall the law that was any laws or those, uh, you know, National Security Acts or something that would have gotten implemented after the 7-7 bombings? Uh it's okay if you can't recall them or not, but there, there definitely was anti-terrorism kind of laws and a lot more restrictions passed yeah. on to the people of the UK, Absolutely. wasn't there? There was. I can't remember the name of the um, of the acts that were brought in specifically, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, these things are that's all they're about, isn't it? They're well, not all they're about. Power grabs. Partly about. Yeah, power grabs, but it, it, it's it's also about. You know, restrictive legislation, isn't it? You know, to curb our freedoms even further. You know, it's just uh, one more baby step down the road to tyranny, isn't it? If we're not already there. So yeah, I can't remember, unfortunately, specifically what that uh, act was called. But um, like the Patrick Pat- Patriot Act in America, which immediately followed 9/11, yeah. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. You know, on a part that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was like tabled, um, like the a couple of days after, wasn't it? The Patriot Act. It was. Um... They, they had it ready yeah, to go. Yeah. It was all—it's it's all pre-written, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. People kind of—they kind of forget. Yeah, you know, yeah. these things take time to write up and to, you know, to put together. And there it was on the president's table. Here, we need this push through. You know, like, whoa, wait a minute, where'd this come from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so, yeah, like sorry, I remembered I Obama. Go, Ethan. Sorry, I was just going to say, remember Obama also. Then um, a few years later signed the National Defence Authorization Act on New Year's Eve, which was sort of the Patriot Act's big break in the new era, you know? So it's just been this increasing uh, scope of surveillance for sure. Yes, definitely, definitely massive surveillance because we, we needed to find these dastardly terrorists, didn't we, before they could strike again? Um, yeah, and of course, you know, then uh, thereafter, boys, it was the massive, just an onslaught of... Yeah, movies and um, it was all about the getting the terrorists and making sure we don't get hit again and that was the theme of so many action films and things there afterwards just to reinforce um, the whole 9-11 spectre you know it was just massive just rammed down our throats all the time you know and then of course you have you know um, old George you know young George Bush up there saying you know let us 
let us not tolerate any wild conspiracies of 9-11, you know, like all this sort of shit, you know, making sure no one talks about it, don't talk about conspiracies of 9-11, you know, and they're doing that same sort of shit now with the whole corona hoax as well, you know, don't believe, just believe what we tell you, don't, don't look into it for yourselves, you know, I'm pretty sure they, they nearly said that themselves on one of the press conferences, I can't remember, but, um, yeah, that's that's where we are right now. So, like Ethan mentioned before, they lay the groundwork with these big, massive events like 9-11 so that when it comes to where we are now, 20 years on, and like we've mentioned previously in other podcasts, they're in this for the long game. They're, they're, not, they're not rushing this shit through. This shit's been on, you know, the plans have been made for a long time. The groundwork's been laid and it's been done. You know, they're in this for the long game. It's the long play for these guys. They've got all the patience and the time in the world to, to get us where we want in this big game of chess uh and that's where we are we're we're sort of i'm not sure if we're in check right now but um it, god damn it's getting close to it with regards to the corona business happening right now around the world you know this this is this wasn't just an american thing this was a global thing that is happening in every every corner of the earth you know like it's just insane uh, and like Ethan said, all this groundwork was laid well in advance within the last within the last twenty years. Um, you know, they had plans for what was it um, the UN agenda, all that sort of stuff. You know, the UN agenda twenty one, then it was of course twenty thirty. Uh, so all of this stuff, you know, they've been planning these things and writing this stuff up for a long time, and we're we're currently in the midst of it right now. The next major let's say our next major false flag or next next major 9-11 we're in it right now guys it is the corona hoax and uh we, people need to kind of wake up to that one too it's only going to be a matter of time before you know maybe 10 years time down the track when my kids are going to be watching you know documentaries that have been made by some awesome people out there who i dare say are probably doing them right now on the corona hoax and poking holes in the narrative and pointing out all the inconsistencies and proving that it really doesn't exist, you know, and I kind of, I kind of want that day to come sooner rather than later, but I dare say it's going to come, you know, we've, we've got all that, we've got, we've, we've been talking about it right now with regards to 9-11, at the time, we didn't have it, you know, it took at least a year later before people started really asking questions and putting shit together, you know, um, and what did it take, boys, um, like 400 and something days before George Bush actually launched the investigation into the biggest crime that the America has ever seen or the world has even seen. Yeah, it took a well over a year for them to actually start investigating it. You know, it was just, let's just go to war. That was what it was. You know? yeah, it's just fascinating stuff. Uh, Andy, anything else you wanted to bring to the table before we start to uh, wrap it up for episode 23? No, I think it's pretty comprehensive what you've said, General. Yeah. Um, cool. I can't wait to dive just, into some uh, of these, uh, resources. Actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just such a such a like a, a big time in history. Really, it was it was um, really my, well for my generation, particularly. It was our JFK event. That's how I see it. You know, and and obviously for say you know like your kids, for example, um, you know, COVID is their JFK event. Uh, all these things are, um, you know, uh, designed to push humanity into into slavery, and uh, and some are some are more effective than others. But uh, I think I think the enemy, you know, for lack of a better word, is is getting, you know, like obviously very technical with how the scamdemic is rolling out. 
um, when it when you compare it with something like 9/11, uh, 9/11 seems to be quite quite a clumsy, brutal way of you know bringing the world into into the alignment that it that it set out to do. Is it just um, me, Andy, or do you think that all the people of of I guess I guess um, you know our generation? Not necessarily Ethan's because he's a bit younger than us, but I guess my, you know John, yourself, and me, maybe maybe people in their in their mid thirties or early thirties. But we're the ones we're kind of that age group that doesn't buy the Corona hoax bullshit. You know what I mean? Whereas a lot of the younger people, you know, the all the teens and all that sort of stuff, and probably in the ones in the twenties, they kind of buy into it. You know, as I me, mean, I don't see a lot of young people not believing in the corona hoax is always it's a lot more of us our, our age group and i think that's because of 9-11 because we don't buy the 9-11 mm, story definitely. you know what i mean and i think now when we don't we because we have such distrust in the system and the government themselves that we 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 know and that they're the capable media. of this stuff yeah. yeah and the media right and the media plays a massive role you know we're aware of this so when when things like this crop up again we immediately Mm. Well, we don't call bullshit straight away, but we go, oh, let's have a look at this. We need to look closely at this. I mean, I'm not buying it, you know. Like, <laughs> I think that's probably got yeah, something to do I with mean, it. Of Definitely, nine eleven helped us. In absolutely. That. I mean, you, you know, without getting too far into it, but I, I just think twenty years on, the technology around this new scam is a, just a lot more advanced, and um, I don't think we even know like what kind of technology is coming through. Uh, the television sets that seem to be polarizing these people like is just like just something something you know something insane something um that that is that is hard to define hard to actually put your hands on and actually like uh you know try and describe it but uh mm. it, it's really you know it's something 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 very very advanced happening to our to society uh, at the moment where, you know, uh, whereas we seem to be able to have woken up and sort of like look at 9-11 from like, and a lot of people did, a lot, of, especially people in the US have really, it would be hard to find somebody in, in, in America that would, that would really put their heart, hand on their heart and really say, oh, they believe in the official story of 9-11. So, um, mm. Yeah, nice. you know, let's see. I mean, let's see if in four or five years' time how many of the the young folk really, really start uh, coming out and, and, and really uh, the new generation of um, truthers and start exposing the, the COVID scam that they all got sucked into. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Be interesting. Yeah, the next next decade is going to be very interesting. Um, Ethan, I'll, I'll cross over to you, brother. Anything else you want to add for this episode? Anything? Any final thoughts or anything else on nine eleven that you just sort of thought of in the meantime while we've been chatting? No, general. Just to you know reinforce sort of the the importance of that event and, and how that uh, you know really led to everything that we're we're seeing today. Not just in terms of what the state's doing, but in terms of Everyone, as you mentioned, that you see now that's questioning things. Um, you know, 9-11 went for a long time. The war on terror is still going. We're still seeing Taliban and everything. So it's been a constant, you know, even for people that are sort of a bit younger like me as, you know, we've grown up, etc. 9-11's always still been there. And I think that, you know, 
it was a catalyst. It was a key, you know, that sort of prepared everyone. Anyone that had eyes to see 9-11 was this massive catalyst that sort of prepared us for 3-11, which is, you know, the uh, the date the coronavirus was officially declared a pandemic on March 3rd in the United States. So we've gone from 9-11 to 3-11 um, and this, the same trickery, the same cgi the same everything is being used at the moment just on more advanced scales and people you know need to recognize that it's just on repeat and we need to you know see past the lies and deceptions and i think just checking out some of those resources today even if you're familiar with the story um just to reinforce some of the the techniques that went into pulling off that operation i think will will be useful so great episode and um you know look forward to to checking out, uh, you know, refreshing my memory on some of these links as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be um, in my spare time. I'm going to have a, definitely got a few more resources to check out, some websites, some reading, some uh, interesting watching. I, I, I can't get enough of this stuff. Eh? It's just fascinating. Twenty years later, twenty years later, we're still looking at this stuff. It's incredible, incredible, crazy, yeah, crazy, it really is crazy. Uh, John, mate, uh, let's we'll wrap it up with yourself there again. Um, Always appreciate your time, and thanks for hanging in there with the uh, with the three of us, us loons over here, no, no all worries, the way man. in Australia, uh, wasting your time <laughs> talking about things that have happened in the past. No, <laughs> um, no, I've always appreciate you coming on for a chat. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> it really is. It's fun. It's uh, it gets me going. It gets me rolled up. I love talking about this stuff. But anything you want to bring to the table before we uh, wrap it up for this episode, man? Anything that's popped into your mind uh, while we've been sitting here chatting? Yeah. Uh, anything specific you think? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I need to I mean, talk about that. Or even if it's any on the day or any. Uh, even if it's, if it's something from any of these documentaries that you wanted to sort of just bring up again, we can have a quick chat about. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of it, there's lots of stuff that I could bring up. You know, I mean, there's lots of uh, anomalies that uh, are quite fascinating, actually. But I just wanted to mention the comparison between Seven Seven, which was you know the UK mm-hmm. uh, tube bomb, good, good, uh, and Nine Eleven. There's so many similarities. I mean, I mean, they just use the same modus operandi all the time don't they and and why wouldn't they you know why change a winning formula I mean, you know people fall fall for it every time you know the same elements in there you know setting up the patsies you know the the, the four guys allegedly that did seven seven um i believe that they were actually recruited by uh, mi5 to take part in an exercise they believed they were patriotic young guys you know they were they were um uh, I think three of them were uh, of Asian origin, but they were they were British nationals, and the fourth one was a British national. Uh, you know, was a was a British kind of born guy. Mm. Uh, but um, you know, I believe that they were actually set up by the government and MI5, uh, and they believed that they were taking part in an exercise, a terror anti-terrorism exercise, and it was all going to be filmed, and uh, you know, they were going to be the stars of the show. But in reality, they didn't know that they were being led to their deaths. And, uh, you know, I mean, the whole thing was just so full of holes, probably even just as much as 9-11 is full of holes. Uh, but, yeah, and then there was one particular incident. I don't know if you guys and the, the listeners remember it, uh, <clears throat> about the, the Brazilian guy. This is about two weeks after 7-7. Brazilian guy being shot by uh, uh, by undercover police on the, on the London Underground because... They suspected he was another terrorist and he was carrying a bomb. Uh, I don't know if you remember that particular incident. What happened was uh, this, this, this Brazilian guy uh, working in England, he was, he was walking down the platform on one of the tube stations 
and he got onto the train, onto the tube train, and then all of a sudden these six policemen who just happened to be there, these six undercover policemen, grabbed him, flung him to the floor, and pumped six bullets into his head because he was a, in quotes, suspected terrorist. Now, interestingly, um, I was at a conference in London about, oh God, it must have been about four years after after 7-7, so it would have been about 2009, and I got talking to a guy there who knew this guy, this Brazilian guy called John John Charles de Menezes, and uh, he said what it was, he was an electrician on the London Underground, and he knew exactly what they'd done with regarding the bombs on the trains. They'd actually planted them under the carriages and, and covered it up as an electricity surge, the actual uh, incident and the explosions. I said, but the problem was this John, John Charles de Menezes, he'd been going around telling everybody that he knew exactly what, how, they'd, how they'd done 7-7. And so they just assassinated him and said that he, you know, he, he was a suspected terrorist. So I just wanted to throw that in because I thought that was quite an interesting little aside there. Yeah, good. I again, I don't know whether you guys remember that incident or not, but uh, it was a significant uh, aspect of it. Yeah, no, much of much of that incident. No, I I only recall that um, little bits of that of the seven seven, mainly the part where you know if they were interviewing, I don't know, some lord something or other, and he kept saying on all these different interviews he was doing, oh, it was um, just, just so happens we were doing a, a training exercise um, at the same time, at the same locations. Yeah. Uh, and like, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, the, the interviewers are always going, really? Oh, interesting. Wow. And then that was it. You know, like <laughs> no one asked any further questions. Yeah. Like, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. You know, that was the sort of the main exactly. thing I remember on yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly the same as 9-11. There was a training exercise going yeah. on, Lots which just them. happens to focus on the, the exact tube stations that were hit at the time. Yeah. So, yeah oh, you know, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are the odds? Uh, but it, well, as I said, it's just a, a modus operandi that they use all the time, isn't it? And they just follow the same basic patterns. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So why would they change it? They haven't. They're still using it to this day with the Corona hoax. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, well, we might uh, wrap it up there. I encourage all the listeners to please go definitely check through the show notes in this one, guys, because there's going to be a whole heap of resources, lots of links, lots of videos to click on and uh, to share around. And if anyone's ever curious and they want to get back and look for them again, simply um, go to uh, the Really Australia Podbean, the, the link for the actual um, podcast website, and you can probably just search for the 9-11 episode in the search bar and um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll come straight up to it because it doesn't really share any other, any other podcasts we've done so far on 9-11. So immediate link to those resources will be there for everyone. Um, John, thank you again for joining us. Uh, and, and for, uh, again, apologies for waking you up so early when, uh, when you could have slept another hour. But <laughs> that's all right. Sorry about that. I'll make sure I get it right next time we chat. <laughs> Um, no worries, mate. Thanks for joining us, uh, brother, for your input. Uh, always insightful, and we uh, always enjoy it over here in Australia. And thanks for taking the time to join us. Boys, uh, Ando, Big Ando, and Ethan, thank you both of you for coming on for this uh, special episode. We have final episode of the season uh, coming up in a fortnight's time. Uh, so we're looking forward to that one. I'm not sure who I've got teed up for that particular one. But, uh, yeah, we hope everyone can be here for the last episode of uh, season three of the podcast. Andy, thanks, mate, for coming on. Thanks, General. Thanks, John, for coming on. 
And of course, thanks, Ethan. And Ethan, thank you, you for coming down to me. Yeah, you. thanks, guys. It was a great chat. Awesome. Enjoyed it. You have been listening to the General Knowledge Podcast. Please show your support for alternative independent media in Australia and join our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash real news Australia. of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it! You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immense interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't... This fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beal? You get up on... Your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. Those are the nations of the The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale.